Listeners are advised, this podcast contains coarse language, themes of an adult nature, and inappropriate thoughts about boy bands. And inappropriate thoughts by boy bands, motherfucker. Hello, Zoe Linkson. Hello, Amy Long. How's it going? Uh, great. It's uh, going really well. Thank oh, that's, you very fr- much. that's very good to hear. Good, 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 good. Okay. What's special about today? Uh, it, we were, on, we were doing our first outside broadcast. Oh, we're coming to you live. No, we're not. <laughs> not from almost Paul, live. From Paul. I mean, I only slept three hours. I'm I'm <laughs> half dead. <laughs> I slept really well. So we've uh, come to Paul because right. we've uh, we've finally elected the members of the uh, boy band industries board. They are uh, CEO Elvis. Elvis B. Long, who you know, um, and uh, our two other new board members who are Atlas and Tahi. Yeah. We're, we're, we're on location with uh, Amy's boy band bestie, Lara, and her beautiful doggies. Hi, Lara. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Well, yeah, we're all right. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, thought it'd be interesting to have our first guest on so that we could talk about a topic that we wanted to discuss. Basically, I want to get the two of them in the same space and, and make them feel really uncomfortable as I <laughs> ask them about the... F- Lara... Tell me about the first time you met Take That, and uh, how was it for you? Oh God. Well, the, actually, tell tell us tell the listeners about the first time you had the opportunity to meet one of Take That. Oh. Well, so when Take That split up and I was devoted, um Did you cry? Oh yeah. I mean, how I old? Was, how old were you? I was thirteen. Oh God! Oh, yeah, you would have been in tears. Yeah, no, no, it was really bad. Did you call and the helplines? No, but my dad rang me because... <laughs> you had to say no, but my dad <laughs> rang the helpline. Yeah, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff made use of those helplines. <laughs> he probably did. Um, no, he rang me in the morning to, to console me. I didn't live with my dad growing up. And I remember saying to him, Dad, what am I going to do? And he went, there'll be other bands. And Oh, no, no. There's n- no, there Dad. No, Dad, there's not other bands. No. Dad did not understand that. He Come on, not. Jeff, do better. And uh, I remember my religious studies teacher asking why I was crying. And um, I told him to take that split up and he didn't know what that meant. So of course he wouldn't. Un- no, was, um, a, a male teacher's not going to understand that emotion. No, it was dreadful. So then I went on a binge of Peter Andre, who was not the same. <laughs> we can't be friends anymore, sorry. No, that, I took my dad to a Peter Andre concert, it wasn't the same. And, uh, and then I got my first job, I went to university, got my first job, I was a grown up and I started working actually opposite the Daily Mail building in South Kent. Oh, I know very well. <laughs> I believe you would know. And um, someone was teasing me saying, oh Gary Barlow's got a book signing going on across the road, are you going to go and stalk him? And I was like, no, because it just... I just would never. It didn't occur to you. And yeah. um, they were teasing me and teasing me. And in the end, about two hours later, I was like, right, I'm going to go out for coffee. So I don't want one. No. And as I came out of my revolving door, he came out of the revolving door on Young Street. Oh. And it was a one-way street. And it was just him and his driver. And I could hear him talking. And I was in a suit. And I could have gone over and just said, hello. I'm big a big fan. <laughs> um, but I couldn't do anything. I just stood Were you there. frozen I to the spot? I was frozen to the spot. I thought I was going to cry. And I think then he just got in his car and drove away. And then I think I probably called oh, you. Oh, no, I missed yeah. opportunity. That's like a sliding doors moment, yeah. isn't it? That's You could have been missed. If you'd gone it. up at that in your you know sexy little suit, you, you could have been Mrs. Gary Barlow. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm a Mark fan, but, you know. 
Well, the thing is, is that Lara's always maintained that she hasn't wanted to meet Tate that, which I've mentioned previously, and also her lack of stalking abilities. I mean... I'm fairly certain you said she's just shit at it. Yeah. How do you feel about that, Lara? I... I think that's fair. <laughs> You're not offended. Yeah, no. Oh, and the very fact Terrible. that we're here in your house doing our first outside <laughs> is um is proof of the fact that you're not, you know, you've not fallen out over it. No. So no. now let's move on to the first time you actually did meet Tay that. Touch them or met them? <laughs> no, met, met. Oh no, I want to know about touching. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've already come back. Show me it on the doll, show right, me on the was... doll, Gary, show me on the doll where the fangirl touched you. Right, it was the 12th of June, 2015 <laughs> at the O2. It was. <laughs> this was the time when we realised we could queue and get to the front. And so we did and we queued and we got to the front and then this really tall person tried to push in and Amy was like, no. Can I just say, I hate, I think there should be a policy because like, as someone that's, five foot two three ish there really needs to be a policy at gigs that if you're little then all the tall fuckers have to stand behind you like if you're six foot it doesn't matter if you're behind me because you can literally see right over my right. fucking head there's no point in you being in front of me i've had many gigs ruined by tall bastards so <laughs> if you're a tall bastard and it just doesn't just apply well. to boy bands it applies to all all gigs all events ever Yes. If you're tall, you I don't care if you paid more than me, you're at the back. Agreed. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> we had, we had, had realised you could queue, get into the venue first and get to the front. Some woman, we'd been there since, what, 5am? Some woman rocks up at half five in the evening, 12 and a half hours after us, and tries to walk around us to get to the barrier. And I'm like, no, <laughs> oh no, oh no, lady, this is not <laughs> happening. <laughs> so anyway, that we touched them that day. We touched them. Where and, did you touch um, them? Just high fived. Okay. Hands. Hands, arms. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was it. Wrists, wrists. Mm. <laughs> I grabbed, were they I soft? grabbed Howard's bicep. That were, was hard. Were they soft? Were they hairy? Were they? Oh, or was it too much of a fleeting yeah, moment? Right. The, too, the adrenaline of it. Yeah. yeah. And I remember Mark staring into Amy's eyes, and Amy. Oh, I didn't like it. Didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> he came. To, he was singing "Hold Up a Light," and he came and he sat on the stairs, and he looked at me, gave me direct eye contact, and sang at me, and I was like, didn't like it. <laughs> But you had this experience once as well, La, when you were in the front row and you said that you just felt really self-conscious. Yeah, I did. My um, my friend and I paid an extortionate amount of money to go front row, which is what I thought people did. And um, I swear they could see me and I, it was deeply uncomfortable. I just kept looking away <laughs> thinking, I'm just, I don't like it. Is it so. also an obligation that you feel like you have to look like you're really enjoying yeah. yourself the entire time? Like there's no yes. like 10 seconds of downtime just in case they look. I had this actually last year at um, Gary's solo gig at Hampton Court where the atmosphere was really poor and I was in the front row and at times I was the only person on my feet and like I don't know it was real I felt really self-conscious and but I was like I can't sit down like everyone else is being because I feel like he needs the support because the, <laughs> because the audience was so fucking shit that that night and I was and what do you feel about the alternative so when you're at gigs and obviously you go down the front now so there's not so much of this but you're somewhere and the person behind you doesn't want to stand up and they're like yeah I paid for a seat I'm gonna sit oh, yeah. in it and We've you're kind of like so uh awkward. yeah there's no, and there's no right way to handle it either, no. is there? Because they're right, they've paid their money and they don't necessarily want to stand We've tried a few up. different options in the past. We've tried saying, um, yeah, sorry. And we've tried 
just suck it, lady. Can I just say your sorry didn't really sound like you were very sorry at all? I wasn't sorry at all. That was total sarcasm. But we don't let anyone... I mean, Lara's much more compliant about this sort of thing because she doesn't want to upset anyone. I'm like, fuck you, lady. I'm fucking standing and dancing. So you just need to live with that. Okay, so back back to the first meeting. So... Was it all of them or was it... (laughs) It was. <laughs> I, I feel this needs to be a two, like the two of you need to tell the story together. Because oh, I, really I have my suspicions that Amy may have been a little bit manipulative in, <laughs> yeah, in this occasion. She was. Well, I was a victim. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically, back in December last year, we had tickets for the um, Elton John AIDS Foundation gala night of the band in the West End in London. Did you wear posh frock? No, okay. we were in the back row, mate. It was okay. the, only, it's the only tickets we <laughs> were prepared to when pay. When you hear the word gala, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm going to need something with sequins. Well, Liz Hurley was wearing a very nice dress that they auctioned off and said they would tailor to any size or shape. And I, <laughs> and you were I like... was like, what about me? Because they probably have to use three times the amount of fabric. <laughs> but hey, they were all in lovely dresses. Ida, Robbie's wife, was there. She was in a very nice dress. So we knew that it was going to be the four guys gary robbie mark howard no jason and um who's jason right well we miss jason oh okay sorry so sorry jason we had turned up to the theater not early early but early ish and there was loads of fans around the front door already and i decided i'd go take a wander around to the stage door just see what's happening around there and we just missed mark and howard arriving and going in so it was like oh well you know we we planned on coming down just having a casual night having some dinner and uh, then watching the show um and then there were about 20 fans by the stage door and i thought they're gonna have to come out at some point <laughs> and i wasn't there at this point i was you, around the front you were around the front but it turned out the front was not the right place to be because where was this at was this at the palladium the theater royal oh okay Haymarket. But as you all know, later on they put all the barriers up, and then the press filled the yeah. So you section have a, in front. So of, you have a photo, a, a red carpet time, and they'll say mm-hmm. arrive at this time. They will do the draw for who gets to stand where, photographers yeah. wise. Who gets to stand at the front? Who's in the next row? Blah blah blah. So they do a, a random drawing. So all the fans behind those barriers were then behind the press. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry not sorry so we had gone round to the stage door just to hang see what was happening and um i called lara i said yeah come around here because there's not that many people around here and the next thing we knew the door opens <laughs> um who came out first gary was it gary I, honestly it was too much <laughs> we were in shock i think it was no it was wasn't it howard came out and then gary gary ran out and then mark was, was just there what was going eyes. through your head at this point bear uh, in mind you were just going to go and sit in the back row of a theater show uh, to be fair if amy had told me that's what she was planning to do i wouldn't have cut i, I wasn't have <laughs> up at eight, to so. be fair i wasn't planning it it just kind of happened when i was there i saw the opportunity yeah. and i went for it but you never wanted to meet them at all did you no, so was no. it was so, there at any point you wanting to flee uh not no the same like frozen on my feet thing happened because (laughs) howard walked out gary ran out and then robbie williams was in front of my eyes and then (laughs) mark was just there and then amy was like go and say hello and i was like i just can't and then and then everyone was doing it and then my hands were shaking and i was like if i don't do it i'm 
I, it's never happening again yeah so I just went up really politely and I was like can I have a photo and then I didn't even look him in the face and <laughs> it was all just really stressful I mean it was awesome and his face was on my face like cheek to cheek <laughs> but um yeah it was I, if I'd known that was happening I you know I, I know. wouldn't have come that's why you have to ambush Lara you can't <laughs> tell her things in advance you just and have to make it happen has it changed the fangirl thing for you at all because bef- I mean Amy mentioned previously that before you'd met them to you they were perfect so like and that's part of why you didn't want to meet them because it might shatter some of those yeah. illusions has it changed that feeling for you or has it made you more keen now I I'm I think I'm a weird person because it has not made me more keen to go and stalk <laughs> them because it, the thought still terrifies me so you're kind of um, like one and done I survived yeah. so you know I'm I'm like it was amazing and I look at that photo I mean Amy when she met them in Australia sent me a video of Mark saying my name which I I just couldn't believe didn't it didn't blow your mind he didn't just say your name he, <laughs> yeah, he said sorry. he said hi Lara how are you it yeah. wasn't just like he went Lara because that would have been weird <laughs> yeah I mean, that would have been enough. That would have been. Fine. But he did. He recorded a little video for her. He's a really nice guy, Marco. In he's Mark, really. Is. I assume Mark's your favourite. He's yeah. Your, yeah. So okay. Mark, it's always been Mark for me. I think Howard terrifies me. Robbie terrifies me. I think Gary terrifies me, to be honest. Um, but Mark, it was it was amazing, and I'm so grateful that Amy didn't tell me that you know there was the vague opportunity that I could happen. So how many years are we talking here? When when did you start to like take that like? Oh my promises do what you like yeah so it would have been i mean i was young so take that and party album or well my first tour was the never forget so my first tour was the four of them so i'd never seen yeah nobody sorry nobody else um but i'd obviously watch them on top of the pops i'd film you know video record everything cassette record everything posters all over walls and on the ceilings yeah 11 12 ish yeah buying all the magazines for the pullouts my whole bedroom was so it'd been a good 25 years or whatever yeah and actually when they got back together for the reunion tour i was booked to go six months traveling which i did do but my dad phoned me and said if you cancel that for for this band i will kill you (laughs) um so i I couldn't make that tour which was really sad but yeah is that the same tour that you were traveling as well no i I went to that one ultimate tour I went to that and Milton Keynes Bowl because Wembley Stadium hadn't been built in time for it so we had to go to fucking Milton <laughs> Keynes um, typical it was English a builders. bloody hot day as well we we're outdoors burning in the sun classic British people complaining about the hot weather so that was that year and then that was 2006 2007 was the beautiful world tour and we went to that yeah I think two or three times maybe how did you meet was oh. it a take that me or was it no no so, the fact that well, we both take that fans it's just like it's a, a happy coincidence yeah my first love is horses really so um i started horse riding at stables where amy was running the show and um we actually weren't really close at that point well you were 11 and i was yeah. six, 16 <laughs> so <laughs> the gap. it was a bit odd at first but yeah we we basically grew up in the same area okay yeah it's like it's, again it's like you and i we didn't meet because of boy bands mm. it's just a happy, just a happy obsession seren- serendipity 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 it's <laughs> serendipitous is that like serendipity but on your tiptoes because you're short <laughs> <laughs> we're the queens of incorrect pronunciation um bandana <laughs> i love that one that's lara yeah thanks for letting us use your mansion house <laughs> for letting us kick you out of your office you are welcome so that we can pretend we're really posh and have to go on location 
Yeah, we're like two mics today. We're two feeds. We're like three dogs. We're like proper podcasters. <laughs> right. Yeah, never. Um, okay. Right. Well, that's the that's the meet the new fan girl, and and the board. Hi, Lara. The board are very Hi. quiet. Thank you, Lara. Yeah, the board have been quiet. They're uh, heading They're out off. now. I think it's time for dinner. <laughs> yeah, they've all run off. Time to talk about our new project. Yes, so um, I had an idea for a little... I think it'll be a little fun game. I... Zoe has all the fun ideas. <laughs> My ideas are all really practical and boring. <laughs> it's because Zoe suffers really badly with insomnia. So her mind just ticks throughout the night. Um... I don't have insomnia. <laughs> <laughs> I sleep exceptionally so well. I want to do the... I'm going to call it a World Cup because it's international. Great. Yeah. So the um the World Cup of boy band videos. Mm. So what we're going to do is we've got thirty two of our boy bands. I think thirty two of the top. Yeah, they're, they're going to be up there. I don't want to reveal how the the chart pans out, but these these guys are going to be up there. Thirty two boy bands, and we're going to choose what we think is their best videos or if, if the boy bands we don't know very well we're going to ask you to help us to tell us what is you know if your boy band is 911 for example i don't think we've got any 911 fans yet <laughs> we're going to ask you to help us pick what is their best video not not their best song it needs to be the video that when it's put up against say the backstreet boys best video is going to win in a playoff so we will on our Twitter and Instagram, we will provide links to the YouTube for these videos. You need to watch them and then vote for which is the best. So it's going to, they're going to be like football matches. So it will be, for example, New Kids on the Block versus... Take that. Take that. But it it's it not, won't be. <laughs> can you imagine if how, when we do the draw? Yeah. That that's what it comes out as. That's that, going to be it, awful. I don't think that'll ever happen. So yeah, so we draw the matches like an official cup, cup competition. We'll have a bowl with bits of paper. And remember, um, don't just vote for your favourite boy band. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. We want to. We want it to be based on the video. The best video. Because I am willing to admit that my boy band don't really have the greatest video. I spent a little bit of time watching the videos, trying to pick what would be Do their entry. you know entry. what was a really good video that New Kids on the Block were in? No, tell me. Step by step by LFO. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great no, video. I can't watch that video because that girl drapes herself over my my new kids. Just, he does look fit in that though. You saying he doesn't look fit elsewhere? Not with the the boofy hair, mate. I'm not a fan no. of the boof. <laughs> I think he's hot now. Pete the pictures Warburg. that you had, the pictures you had of him from your trip last week. I even texted you and said he looks hot in those pics. Always looks hot. Okay. So we will put onto our Twitter and Instagram links for you to go and watch the videos and then you need to vote for which out of the two. So it will be matches. We're going to do the first four this week. We're going to draw them shortly. Yes, yeah, so we will put them up. Uh, you need to give us your votes. You can. There'll be a Twitter poll. There'll be an Instagram poll. Or if you, you don't want to take part in the polls, you can just send us a little I vote for X up on Facebook, we could do a poll on the Facebook as well, can't we? Oh yeah, we can. Yeah, and don't try and vote three times. I, you know, we know who you all are. <laughs> We're not that popular that that we can't keep track of, you know, who's who. Yeah. So, 
Right, yeah, let's go. Pretty. Let's go off and do the first draw, and we will be back after this short interlude. Right, we have the results of the draw. The draw for the FA Cup, no, the World <laughs> Cup, the but World Cup. The boy band world video world boy band video world cup is a bit cumbersome. Boy band video world cup. Hmm. I think that's fine. Okay, so the first match will be between that the world's worst drum roll, E <laughs> seventeen uh, and Boyzone. The second game, Amy is. We have got One Direction versus The Wanted. This is, they came out really well actually. Like E mm. seventeen Boyzone, same era, era wise, yep. and One Direction Wanted era wise. Oh, this yeah. is not a fix. We have genuinely drawn these out of a bowl. Actually, I just don't we want have. Um, we, we tried to record it, but the noise of us putting our hands in the bowl and pulling them out, <laughs> unwrapping bits so of paper, objectionable. It's that thing where the person behind you in the cinema is unwrapping their sweets. And you're like, could you fuck, shut the fuck up? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we we we. We deleted it. Yeah, we got rid of that <laughs> bit. So game three is going to be A1 versus Boys to Men. Interesting. And game four, we've got Hanson versus O-Town. Another really good draw. Yeah, I think so too. So we will post links to the videos uh, so you can go and uh, really watch the videos. It's not about the song. It's not about what the song means to you, what the boy band means to you. It's it's genuinely about which is the best video it's a video off and shall we say video a few more times <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be on youtube imagine mtv has just launched or our favorite the box is yeah. you know yeah had... which of these so out of the two songs which of these would you have paid one pound a minute to ring up Jesus Christ it really to, was wasn't it a pound a minute on the, on the box fucking hell yeah and we'll have the results We'll post the results on our socials, I think. Yeah, I think our recording times mean that in order to give you time to do the votes, we won't get the results in before we record next week's podcast. So we will post the results up on our socials. And we'll probably announce them the week after on our podcast. But Yeah, we'll probably be so overexcited at the results. (laughs) I already have my ideas of who's going to win each one. I have an idea of who's going to win I already know what I want the the E17 versus Boyzone videos to be. Oh, okay. Because... Stay Another Day video, mm-hmm. which is the Christmas song. That was, was their biggest hit, wasn't snowy. it? There's a boy's own video that's so, so like it. It's, I'm trying to think right now what it is. It's, Are is they it dressed no, all in white? Yes. Uh, no, there's, no matter what, is oh. the one I'm thinking of where it's snowy. The one where they're dressed all in white and they're lying on some big light box. It's really <laughs> weird. I know <laughs> I what video you I mean. I have not seen that one. Yeah. What is that one? I don't know. I will find it for you now. So that's our new little... It's a little bit of fun. It it doesn't have any standing on what the actual results is going to be in our boy band chart. This no. is just for us this to have a little extra. bit of fun with you. And I, I think I know who's going to win overall. Do you? Yeah. I have no idea. I need to. I need to write it down on a piece of paper and put it in an envelope and yeah. stick it in a safe and mail it to the Queen. <laughs> and then, how, how the fuck are we going to get it back from her? <laughs> I, I I know people. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do part two of the Bay City Rollers next, and then we'll be able to give you the score for them this week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So we are going to continue with part two of the Bay City Rollers, but we need to do a quick recap of what we discussed last week. Yeah, so they were formed in 1966 as the Saxons before changing their name to the Bay City Rollers. They got their first record contract in 1971 and after a few failed singles, they found their feet in 1973 when they took the charts by storm with Shangalang and Rollermania spread around the world. By the end of 1974, their debut album, which is Rolling, hits number one. After conquering America, Australia, Europe and Japan, the infighting amongst the band members has seen several ins and outs of personnel, but they continue to dominate the charts worldwide. As they gradually become too old to be classed as a boy band, they start to look to their future and questions are raised as to quite where all the Bay City Rollers profits are really going. So that brings us up to... 1978. Something else that we just want to mention is that we have improved our sound setup since we recorded the Bay City Rollers um, episode. So bear with us because you're going to notice a difference in the sound quality for this next section. But from next episode, you're it's not going to be an issue anymore. So thank you for sticking with us while we've just ironed out these technical things. So we're in 1978 and the band are exiled in Switzerland because of tax issues. They have to stay out of the UK for a year because it, it affects their... Question? Yes. It, we haven't even finished the sentence, <laughs> I've got a question. Is this legal? Yes, absolutely. If you're not resident in the country for a year, they can't charge you taxes. So it's an absolutely legal form of tax evasion, so to speak. Which is the illegal one, tax evasion or tax avoidance? Um, tax evasion is illegal. This is tax avoidance. Okay. Um, Continue. Apologies. So they're exiled into Switzerland and they're now recording album number six. And at this stage, Les McEwen and Eric Faulkner are still fighting relentlessly about new material. And McEwen's openly talked about it being this being his last album with them. What are they arguing about? Just everything. You know, they're holed up together the whole time. They're endlessly touring... They're, when they're touring, they're stuck in hotels together. Yeah. Um, Tam Payton does this thing where he chooses who rooms with who each night. So you never, you don't have like a roommate. One night, Les will be with Eric. The next night, Les will be with Alan. It's just, this is his, the whole control Control, factor. yeah. So he's choosing who they room with. You're with these same five guys the mm. whole time. And unless, I don't even think if, if you were best buddies, you can cope with being around the same people that long yeah little niggles are creeping I mean, oh yeah it's like, you know it's like me saying don't chew gum yeah it annoys me yeah it's little things like that build up so i think it's they'll be fighting over little things like that the arguments between McEwen and faulkner actually suit tam payton quite well mm. had the two of them been besties and banded together against him with all the questions they've got over finances they'd actually have been quite a bit of a formidable force for him but instead they're turning in on each other Hmm. McEwen's now looking ahead to his future without the rollers and within that he's looking at the, their publishing rights and the other income streams that they're, they're not getting they're really slow to filter through to their individual bank accounts Bay City Music are splitting the publishing royalties six ways so there's the five band members Faulkner, McEwen, Wood, the Lomuel brothers and Tam Payton but after five years they'd revert to the original songwriters mostly Faulkner and Wood Les McEwen would receive nothing. So whilst these internal battles raged, they blocked out their own issues. The band were largely unhappy and in the depths of depression. They're also struggling at this point with trying to keep a lid on what's actually going on with Tam Payton's sex life. 
and two major news stories had recently been published insinuating that maybe some member, members of the basic rollers were his sexual playthings. Mm. The articles fall short of outright calling Tampayton gay. You know, it's still a time where newspapers would use the term to refer uh. to someone gay. McEwen's overreacted and he gives an interview to the News of the World where he claims to have slept with over a million women. <laughs> um, but this enrages... <laughs> Stop counting at one point, aren't you? Sorry, that really tickled me. Sorry, he said he'd <laughs> slept with a million women. Even if he'd been going at it since he joined the Rollers, mm-hmm. which is, was what, 72? That's six years. I, I want to break, I really feel the urge to break down the maths of how much shagging he's doing per day. Les McEwen is a classic musician. Like, he reacts emotionally to quite a lot of stuff, right? Yeah, and the, the interview he gives to the user world enrages Peyton. He, he reckons that, he's, that McEwen's tarnishing what's their clean-cut image because they're still, at this stage, still predominantly appealing to under-16s yeah. who, who aren't going to see his, you know, sexual prowess as a, an attraction necessarily. Right. So into this turmoil, Tam Payton introduces TV executives Sid and Marty Croft with the hope of them making a Basity Rollers version of their successful US show, Donnie and Marie. He'd painted them as a harmonious unit, although they'd now ditched their tartan. They still had strong brand recognition with American teens and still commanded regular appearances on popular variety shows in America. So as a four-piece, they sounded better than ever. Uh, And at this time, Peyton reintroduces founder member Alan Longmuir. He'd made an attempt at a solo career after he'd left the Rollers, but it had failed. The move to bring back Alan gets them their 24th consecutive cover of 16 magazine, which is in January 1978, so they've now been on every single cover. Yeah. Actually, now, doing the maths on this, it's not a weekly, obviously, is it? It's a monthly. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> Otherwise, that would have been a lot of magazines. Yeah, it'd be a lot of pictures. I mean, it's still a lot, but... Their meeting with the Crofts went much better than anyone expected, given kind of the circumstances of how they all were with each other. But at this age, the, the band are really well trained in, in hiding the turmoil that's going on behind the scenes and laying on yes. the charm for people. Although starring in a Saturday morning kids show didn't really sit with what the Rollers wanted their new, more mature image mm. to be like. But Tampain didn't doesn't really care about the direction they want to go into. He's just interested in milking it now. They've far exceeded what he thought would be their lifespan. He, he thought yeah. they'd last maybe two, three years. Yeah. And the fee they'd get for doing the TV show is would push their earnings for this year in excess of £30 million. And they're not paying any tax on that? <laughs> no. Well, I mean, we don't know how where the money's going, so... They don't know where the money's going. Right. Yeah, so... So filming begins in LA in June 1978. I'd like to point out at this point, I'm still not born. Les McEwen there. <laughs> There's a big chunk of the basic rollers where I wasn't born. Oh, yeah. Like they've been going since '66. Like, my mum wasn't even out of junior school when they started. Okay, fair, fair. Carry on. So uh, Les McEwen is there in LA through gritted teeth at the direction this took them in. It continued to alienate him from the rest of the group. The band were persuaded back into the matching outfits. Uh, the show was based around mimed performances and comedy skits, with them appearing in kilts, cowboy outfits and matching onesies, trimmed in tartan. With the exception of Les, the band threw themselves into the show. Uh, now, the idea for this 
new TV show that it was going to launch at the same time as the album that they'd been recorded in Switzerland when they were in exile. Mm-hmm. And McEwen started raising concerns that the way the new album was going, their more mature look, was vastly different from what of how they were performing on the show. It's aimed at kids. It became more ostracised from the band when he moved out of the shared house they had in LA and he went into a suite at the Chateau Marmont. Oh. And with this, he started attending some celeb parties around town. He'd be rubbing shoulders with the likes of the Rolling Stones and Wingo Starr. Cocaine and heroin are readily available and he'd have fans knocking on his door begging him to sleep with them. Which kind of feeds into his I've slept with a million women thing, really. <laughs> I don't know that. Imagine that line-up around LA. Can we just do the maths on that, though? We don't even need to, because how many days... How old is he at this point? Uh, 19-ish. So let's say he's 20. How many days has he lived in his life? (laughs) So 20 times 365 is 7,300 days. And he reckons he's slept with them. So a million women... So a million divided by 7,300, that he's sleeping with 137 women a day. Even when he was a baby. <laughs> oh, yeah, hang on a minute. What time, where, at what age did he get into the group? Uh, 15, I want to say 15. So we're four, four let's say let's four say five, years. Let's say five years. Five years times 365 days. That's 1825. So a million <laughs> divided by 1825. He's sleeping with 548 women a day. How many an hour? Okay. Uh, divided by 24. Divided by 24. He's sleeping with 22.83 women per hour. I mean, come on, Les. If you're going to tell a bullshit story, make it marginally fucking believable. Les escorts um, Jodie Foster to the premiere of Greece. And he's also supposedly at this point having a, a relationship with Britt Eklund. Fucking hell, he was um, really famous <laughs> at this stage. Yeah, and Alan Longmuir's also dived into the LA party scene. He's always been a drinker, but now he's boozing way in excess. He's downing bottles, four bottles of brandy I mean, and whiskey. That, that doesn't sound like a Scotsman. I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Les begins to miss rehearsals and recordings and increasingly makes things awkward, demanding his own dressing room and script changes. He'd also miss business meetings and was openly hostile to the other members at one point refusing to pose for photos with them after being pied in the face for the show which he didn't know was coming he stormed off set and headed back to london claiming he'd been sacked from the band so on july the 7th 1978 uh, which is less than four weeks after they started filming in la the edinburgh evening news won a front page story claiming that the rollers are breaking up um the source of their story tam payton at this point, Peyton's already committed them to tours of Japan and Germany, and their new album, which has cost half a million to make, was due out, and their coast-to-coast TV show, which is going to be on NBC, it needs promoting. He, he claimed that Les's walking out in the band could cost them £5 million. So they put their PR machine into overdrive, and by August, they finally got the press convinced that they're not splitting up, and McEwen had merely been told to go home and get his head together. And then if his attitude improved, he could come back into the band. Tam was more direct, saying that if Les wasn't back in for the Japan tour, he'd be sued for the money they would have made, estimated at around $14 million. So in September, NBC screamed an hour-long preview of the show, and it was panned. The band were unable to promote it, as they were already in Japan, where Roller Mania remained strong. They were playing ten to 12,000 seater venues. The tour manager had been instructed to keep Les away from the rest of the band, but this just caused the animosity between them just to simmer. 
um, Leslie would refer to the others as his backing group. Um, oh and they retaliated. <laughs> they retaliated by changing key right before he was about to <laughs> sing, so he turned out of tune. Oh no! Um, Les asked for his own security team to protect him from the rest of the band. He said it was like being in a bad marriage where he wanted out and the others didn't want him to leave. But I get the impression at this point, actually, Les, that they probably did. Yeah. Things came to a bit of a climax when Les put a bug in Eric Faulkner's hotel room so he could hear what was being said oh about him. Oh, my God. But he found the playback of what was being said really unpleasant. Yeah. Um, and just it's, Yeah, it's true. You want to know what people are saying about you, but when you find out... You don't, yeah. Despite wanting out of the band, actually the thought of leaving the band mm. was leaving him in tears, which to me, again, sounds like another case of depression. Mm. Like, they're really not having any downtime. They're being worked like dogs. Yeah. And their mental health must be really... Suffering, yeah. yeah. So the situation comes to a head in Shizoku, in Japan. Stuart Woods snapped at Les's onstage antics designed to attract attention and kicked out at him, sending him flying from the stage. Security guards had to be called to prevent him retaliating. Tam Payton abandoned them right in the middle of this turmoil, but with him gone, their tour manager then had them all sat down together at dinner and talking, and they flew home together albeit going their separate ways when they got to Heathrow. Back over in the US, their TV show's now been running for eight weeks on a Saturday morning, but it gets cut to a half hour and moved to a later time slot because it's not doing really that well. Mm. Their new album, Strangers in the Wind, which had been released to coincide with it, Les has refused to help with promotions on both the show and the album, and both are struggling to find their target audience. They've still getting a lot of interest in the team magazines, but they're now competing against sort of fresher, younger acts that are coming up. Any idea who? So, Sean Cassidy. Yeah. Uh, David Cassidy? No, so it's, Cassidy? it was definitely Sean Cassidy that are was they mentioned. The same I, the, family? I possibly. Okay. <laughs> the band had hoped that the new album was going to help them win over a, an older, more mainstream demographic, but they found themselves trapped as teen fodder in the eyes of the public. Mm. Strangers in the Wind, the album didn't really have any upbeat pop tracks on it that were was going to appeal to the young market. Yeah. So they're kind of in a catch-22 here. Yeah, yeah. Rumours have begun at this point that the group had split again and Les wasn't making himself available for promotions. Without a hit single or a tour and pitched around a TV show that had flopped, it actually limped on till January 1979 before being cancelled. I was born then. Uh, <laughs> so the album struggled to gain any traction. The mainstream press was savage, with people calling it the worst album of the year. That's People magazine. That's not just yeah, people pe in general. Yeah. Like people mag <laughs> called it the worst album of the year. Clive Davis, who's the head of Arista, it, he now saw the rollers as being a bit of a drain on his profits. Despite them actually being really pivotal in the success of the record company, it had only been going three years at this point, he felt he'd commercially exploited them as far as he could. And the band were imploding, and they had very little support elsewhere in the record company mm. to, to support them. It's brutal. It's the music um, industry, man. And still with no like confirmed announcement about whether or not Les had gone, a question mark's hanging over the band. Yeah. In December 1978, Sixteen magazine ran a headline, Rollers Are Breaking, asking where they were, when they'd be back, 
It was accompanied by a hotline for distressed fans to call into. I would say take that, we're not the first. (laughs) Uh, Neither their new single, Where Will I Be Now, nor the album made the top 100. It was a massive failure, which their US career would never recover from. A second single from the album flopped, and a third release was cancelled. The performance of the singles mirrored in most of the territories they were hitting. It also failed to chart in the UK, Canada and Australia. And the only exception to this was in Japan where they reached the top five. And the band flatlined looking for someone to blame for what was going on. Les began to consult lawyers about his leaving the band and for the other members, their flops had started to get them focused on what their financial position is. They felt there was kind of a huge financial hole. Yeah. And they were seeing very little of the money they were making personally, despite having vast successes for, for several years. And the man that they'd appointed as the managing director of their publishing company, Bass City Music, he estimated at this point that they'd made over $100 million wow. just while he'd been managing wow. Bay City. They'd sold close to over 150 million records since 1975. So they turned to their UK accountant, who's called Stephen Goldberg, uh, looking for answers. Uh, they hired a chartered accountant in the US to look in, into how Goldberg had managed their money. He met with Tam Payton and immediately warned the band he was as mad as a box of frogs and not to be trusted and had likely feathered his own nest at their expense. In his experience, it was likely that they were being ripped off from every possible angle. So it'll be from their management, their accountants, their lawyers and their record labels. He also began investigating the US accountant. Their accounts were kept separate for tax purposes. Mm-hmm. And this guy was rumoured to be a really close friend of Clive Davis mm, from Alistair. Mm. He had set up the US company that controlled all the rollers' business in, in America, which was called ALK. Between ALK and the rollers' personal companies that they set up there were more than 30 companies involved in all their american assets and contracts and for the band you know they're not massively well educated this the whole structure the 30 companies made it almost impossible for them to understand their mm. finances all that they knew was that their personal finances didn't really reflect what they thought they'd earned Despite this, none of them were living a frugal lifestyle. Faulkner had a plush Chelsea apartment with a £25,000 bed. I don't know what his <laughs> bed's made of. Yes, yeah, solid gold. <laughs> yeah, he was paying for expensive recording studios in Dublin to record a solo project. Wood had invested in two pubs in Gibraltar and drove a gold BMW, a solid gold BMW. I think it's it's just coloured gold. (laughs) And Uh, the Longmuirs owned several properties in Scotland, including a farm and a hotel, and Les McEwen owned property and drove an expensive Range Rover and was also self-funding solo material, a move that cemented the belief that he was no longer a roller. Gradually, the rest of the rollers, so that's Stuart Wood and the Longmuir brothers, also drifted towards Dublin where Eric Faulkner's recording and they made the decision to look for a new singer. In this hunt, they found a guy called Duncan Foray. Uh, He's a 21-year-old South African who was living over in in LA and he was under the same management company as Michael Jackson. Mm. But this is a time of anti-apartheid and Duncan's South African passport was going to be a hindrance. They had a German tour booked and it was quite unlikely that he was going to be allowed to perform. And Tam Payton suggested they ask Les McEwen to come back for the tour. But the band are insistent at this point that Duncan was in. They unveil him at a press conference in LA and then go back to Dublin to record the album. 
So despite Clive Davis being over them, they still had two albums remaining on their contract. The label had lost faith in the group and had no desire whatsoever to promote them. Refusing to fund a new album, Eric Faulkner decided the band would fund the recording themselves. So they realigned their image with their new wave scene and planned to launch as The Rollers, ditching the Bay City part. Turn on the Radio was the song that was chosen as a single and this gets released in April 1979. And the promotions for this started to include confessional type interviews where the guys talked to newspapers admitting the past of abusing drink and drugs and indulging a bit in groupies. But this backfires and the press kind of jump on them for having basically led a life of lies mm. so far. Like everything they've said before about we don't drink alcohol, We're we clean just drink cut, meat, yeah. we don't have girlfriends. It's all a web of lies. It's interesting though because there's a lot of the whole, you know, again, you're more experienced in this arena than me, but tabloid journalism, <laughs> they, they well, I mean, you are more, no, not groupies, <laughs> tabloid journalism, there are a lot of well-known famous people who would rather do the story themselves than be caught out. Yeah. I don't think that was the situation here. Right. I think they've gone out to use their dark past as a way of promotion and the press started to turn on them. You know, before they'd have been happy to go along with the... You know, some of the, a couple of them are lying about their age, mm. and it must be very obvious mm. at this point that yes. these guys aren't twenty-one. No, because they don't look twenty-one. No, um, but the press are happy to go along with that because it's selling them newspapers. So okay, yep. a basic rollers front page is going to sell them more newspapers than, or a positive basic rollers front page is going to sell them more newspapers than a negative one. But their popularity is starting to wane, so yep. they don't necessarily need to feed into that anymore. Yeah, so they can start. Going that they can start questioning them harder mm. about actually what's going on. Mm. The single that they're promoting here it fails to get radio support, and it makes it still. It's basically the nail um, in the coffin of their UK career. A tour of Germany follows, playing to venues that were about twenty to thirty percent full, and in Munich they make the decision to sack Tampayan. Finally. <laughs> Duncan's nationality proved a problem. He was unable to get work visas for Japan or Australia, two places they were still relatively big, so they were unable to promote the releases for their singles, and as such, both flopped in both of those countries. They put some new management into place, and the band toured the US. At this stage, they're playing fairs and amusement parks. And some of these fairs would have, like, 50,000-seat venues put in, but the roller shows are really badly attended. The band's new look and their new sound are not really going down very well. They cancelled several shows on the tour to poor ticket sales. And after their last date, Duncan leaves and returns to South Africa. He could get the band gigs back in his home country, but we're still in the midst of the apartheid mm. era. And back in the UK, the Musicians' Union at this point have a policy that its members can't play over there. Mm. The Rollers were actually one of the first acts to ignore the cultural boycott um, would forever remain tainted by their apparent backing of apartheid. They had nowhere left to play, though. So they, they started to mild success, but when the conservative South African press got hold of their recent UK press and drug confessions, it all started to fall apart. Uh, yeah, they, so they're forced to cancel shows again, and stories began to circulate in the South African press about the debts that the band are, are beginning to rack up from the cancellations on the tour and they eventually get arrested over non-payment of debts 
they swiftly organise bail and take the next flight out of the country. I don't blame them, frankly. So they have one final album obligation for Arista, and this album is called Vox. It's not released in the UK or America, and it's given a limited German and Japanese release in 1980. Meanwhile, Les McEwen launches an unsuccessful solo career. He remains suspicious that the band are trying to rip him off and claims he's owed close to £2 million. He was presented with a huge tax bill of £300,000. He fell behind on the mortgage on the Scottish home where his parents lived and it was repossessed. And he moved into a bedsit with a shared kitchen and bathroom. That's just, that's so... So sad. It is so sad. And this is weeks after. It's the same thing that we saw with... With Bross. With Luke from Bross. Yeah, yeah. That they're being ripped off so badly over money or there's so much bad financial management around them mm. that the minute it's over, you become penniless again. Mm. The financial investigator they employed had started proceedings... He believed they were owed around $4.8 million in outstanding royalties by Arista. But the band were well aware that as well as the cost of the legal proceedings, they too were about to get huge tax bills like McEwen had had. So desperate for cash, they signed with another new manager. And in October 1980, they head to New York City to record new music on the promise of getting a deal with Epic Records. But at this time, they're... All of them are having huge problems with drink and drugs and they're just an absolute mess. Yeah, they hated each other and this was exacerbated by their alcohol consumption, as it always is. Yeah, so the album, they don't think it's going to be received well, so they make a marketing decision to release the album anonymously. So there's no name attached to it and the covers are simply stamped with the words collector's edition and a promo EP using the same concept concept is shipped out to radio stations and it starts to pick up airplay in Canada. Epic pick three singles from it and put money behind them to make videos. MTV was due at this point to launch within a year and the album Ricochet was scheduled for release in the UK and Europe ahead of Canada and America. In June 1981 they played a few low-key gigs around New York but they were poorly attended and sapped the band's enthusiasm for the project things started to go wrong again. The single, which is called Life on the Radio, is only released in Australia and the Netherlands, um, and it didn't do well in either place. A single called No Doubt About It, which had been chosen for release in the UK, had no video to go with it, so it subsequently flopped. Mm. And then the album bombed in Canada. When the identity of the band, being the, you know, the artist on the album, was revealed, any press interest they previously had just disappeared Um, and the project collapsed Duncan returns to South Africa and the rollers were done their court case against Stephen Goldberg the accountant collapses they owe huge tax bills they did reach an out-of-court settlement with the US accountant Tenenbaum reportedly two million dollars the settlement money split five ways did not even touch their tax bills so all their companies at this point are placed into liquidation and the music publishing rights, which is one of their only remaining streams of revenue, the, the publishing rights are sold off in basically a liquidation fire sale. So the mm. money that was earned for that didn't even go to them. It went to pay off their existing debts. Yeah. And what happened to the tens of millions they generated in merchandising, yeah. tour revenue, records and publishing? It, it was never fully explained. No one knew where it went. Someone was embezzling it somewhere. Yeah. 
Les McEwen estimated they were paid around £120,000 each for their time in the rollers, but their tax bills were in the millions. So that's basically the end of the rollers. I mean, they go on, the lawsuits go on for years. And in 2007, they did all get together again. And they filed a, a, another lawsuit what? against Arista for their unpaid royalties. I mean, that's 12 years ago. Yeah. And, and the band formed in 1966. Six. Yeah, I mean, 1973, four before they had a record. Yeah. But the battles with Arista went on for 10 years, or almost 10 years, before it was settled out of court. And it's believed to be that they got less than £70,000 each. And that was in 2016. Yeah, from all this money, the millions. The band have made various attempts at reforming and they, you know, play gigs. Stuart Woodywood uh, now lives in Scotland and he's still working as a music producer. And he lives with his wife, who is Denise, and they have a pet dog called... Elvis Long! <laughs> no, no, it's not Elvis Long. <laughs> Elvis Wood. It's called Elvis. Um, Elvis, they've got a dog called Elvis. Les McEwen still tours under the name of the Bay City Rollers. He does. He tours as Les McEwen's Bay City Rollers. Yeah. Derek Longmuir trained as a nurse. He worked a lot. So when I worked in Scotland, he, you know, you'd see interviews with him in the papers. Like they're mm. still around. They still get interviewed quite a lot. Yeah. In two thousand, he was sentenced to community service for possession of child pornography. Oh my god! Um, now they claim that an embittered fan had sent him the images on CD, and then tipped off the police, and he was waded, and that's what they found. Alan Longmuir ran a hotel in Dollar, which is in Clapmanagere. He died in 2018. Last year, yeah. Um, Eric Faulkner is still writing and recording new music, although he almost died as well when he contracted viral encephalitis in 2015 and is still basically recovering from it right now. Uh, Tam Payton has a darker post-Rollers history. Why am I not surprised? In 1982, he was convicted of grace indecency with two teenage boys who were 16 and 17, which at that point was below the legal age consent. Yeah. Um, he served one year of three-year prison sentence. Later on, he suffered from poor health. He had heart attacks. And he was arrested on child sexual abuse charges in 2003, but he was eventually cleared of these allegations. In 2004, he's convicted of supplying cannabis and fined £200,000. Then in 2003, he was accused of the attempted rape on... Uh, the band's guitarist Pat McGlynn in 1977 okay. the police decided there was insufficient evidence for prosecution which is normal you know, in rape cases 26 years on yeah Peyton died of a suspected heart attack aged 17 in 2009 and at the time of his death Peyton who has actually been not an unattractive guy as a youngster that was part of you know what in, endeared him to the role is to start with mm. that there was this really charismatic guy um, at the time of his death, he weighed 25 stone. Oh, that's, um, that's actually more than I weigh. <laughs> and he was finally living openly gay. So, 25 stone, what's that in pounds for our American listener? Uh, so 250, 350 pounds. There we go. So that's the basic rollers. It's um, another one of those that kind of ends sadly. It's a bit of a bummer ending. That there's no... Happy ending. Yeah. There's no. I don't feel like there's any real resolution. And I, I'm just worried now that we've we've come into a podcast where, where none of these things have a happy ending, mm. um, unless they're still successfully performing now and mm. having had that <laughs> downward thing. Well, the Jackson Fives end with Michael Jackson dying. Let's see. <laughs> where, where else? Sorry, are we going I'm not here? laughing at Michael Jackson dying. I just, you know, mm. and I guess. 
the post boy band thing. So the reason we love boy bands is the, is the euphoric feeling we get from them performing and listening to them. Absolutely. So aren't necessarily affected by what happens post boy bands, but it just seems that there's this endless catalogue of misery yeah. that follows in the trail of, you know, to, to use the phrase, after the screaming stops. So we've done Bros, LFO, and the Bay City Rollers. Okay, we definitely need a jolly run. For yeah, the next we do. One. Who are we doing next? The Jonas Brothers. Oh, okay. That's going to be. All a... still alive. Yeah. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> one of them just recently got married, Dick. so living his best life. <laughs> yes, I think that, which that, <laughs> fingers crossed, that's going to be a much more upbeat. Oh God, I hope he doesn't get a divorce between now and next week. No, it won't happen. <laughs> it won't happen. No. Okay. Come on, whichever Jonas brother <laughs> one that is. For you, Nick. What are they even called? Oh, is it Nick? I'm sure it's, it's Nick. It's not Nick. It is Nick Jonas that got married. Is it? Or is it Joe Jonas? No, it's Joe. No, it was Joe. Kevin's already married. Nick's the hot one, isn't he? Who did he marry? Who's the one in DNCE? Oh, Nick Jonas and Priyanka, Priyanka Chopra. I was right, it was Nick. The hot one? I don't know, this is asking me to accept. Yeah. The one in D... Oh, no, I've got their names muddled up. <laughs> I thought that was Joe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's right, that's the one I thought okay. it was. I just it's, didn't know what his name was. 50s. We might need to be a two-parter on the Jonas Brothers 2, just because part two is going to need to be all 57 wedding ceremonies that they had. They did have a few. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. That's well, we it. need to look at our scoring tally for Bay City Rollers. Oh, okay. So we'll come back to that after this. Right, Bay City Rollers score time, Zoe. Um, they they do really well. I mean, they were to for, just for the length of time they were together. They, yes. They 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 score great. They sold a ton of records. Yeah. Their post their post boy band career is not so great. Liz McEwen is still performing now. He is. But he's the only one. The others kind of one of them works in the music industry, but their careers weren't. They didn't carry on within the industry necessarily. Yeah. Style you can't knock them for the they came up with an idea and ran with it and everyone really bought into everyone it that whole time yeah. when you look at the old videos on youtube i'm going to actually i found some great videos last night of the old youtube concerts Excellent. and just the fans you just see the fans running wild in time it's just amazing so i'll share that with them Perfect. up on our socials but yeah so the final score for the bay city rollers is 175.5 so where does that place that them? sends them shooting straight in at number one on the mm. boy band chart so we now have a one two and three we have a gold silver and bronze we could end it right now <laughs> just this is it's, the end it's of been our lovely. podcast series <laughs> <laughs> so we are at number one is the bay city rollers so that is the end of the bay city rollers but it is the beginning of this next bit <laughs> what's happened this week Zoe uh, the, the boy band update this week um, Donny officially announced not he didn't officially announce he did a thing um, out in Pasadena California where the TV channels launched their season schedule so he officially announced that uh, he has a new TV series oh is it called Very Scary People yes it it might well indeed be and so is it on the H&M network as we discussed H&M yeah they've diversified from um, sweatshirts and uh, petticoat skirts very good <laughs> and they're now gone into doing true crime 
I think it's a very big development for them as a shop. And it's on HLN. Very good. It's officially announced. It starts, the very first episode is on Sunday, March the 17th. I think that's a Sunday. Is that St. Patrick's Day? It is a Sunday, yeah. And we can also now talk about the people they're doing, because that came as part of the announcement, was they said which killers they're going to do. So um, we didn't really talk about that a lot last time. No, we didn't. Because I wasn't allowed to. So they're doing Charles Manson, uh, Eileen Wardos, the Zodiac Killer, one of my favourites. Is it? I hate the Zodiac. The NorCal Serial Rapist, which is the one one I don't really know. Yeah, I don't know that one. The Reverend Jim Jones. The Jonestown, that's one of my favourites. Jonestown Massacre, yes. And John Wayne Gacy, the Freaky Clown. The asshole. So all really good ones. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm hoping that we somehow manage to get a feed. I've got a couple of people working on ways for me that we can get to see it. Because it's not just a boy band thing for me. This is a complete... serial killer obsession yeah it is and it's a real shame that it doesn't go global i'm all for globalization right (laughs) (laughs) i'm not a brexit fan i'm fully into globalization and yeah we want your tv shows the same time you get them yeah right and the other thing that i found this week when i was doing a little bit of (laughs) what were you googling because we were saying that it's a peak time to be a boy fan i had the day off today i was at home thinking actually this is an amazing time to be a boy band fan there's so many albums there's so much stuff going on yeah and i i purely googled boy band albums 2019 and one of the first things to pop up was that south by southwest this is the film festival have announced that they are going to be doing the premiere of the Lou Pearlman film. I'm so excited. We all know how obsessed Zoe is with Lou Pearlman. <laughs> well, we both are. We um, can't stop talking about him. That happens. I'm just trying to find it now. March the 13th. It's called The Boy Band Con, The Lou Pearlman Story. And it's done in association with... I mean, Lance Bass is one of the producers on it. A lot of Pearlman's boy band members are taking part. In a, yeah, Ashley Angel on it. from O-Town and yeah, AJ. And it's McLean. really exciting to... Premier's March 13th in Austin, Texas, which is where South by Southwest is. It's it's a YouTube premium channel thing. So I'm hoping oh. that we don't have to wait too long to get it. Yeah. And we actually we'll be able to just get a YouTube free Watch one month one. free one month free trial. Watch that and then and then not give them any money. One month free trial. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a free trial. No, absolutely not. Um Yeah. I'm Great. really excited about that. It also sent me down another Lou Pearlman rabbit hole again. Mm. So there's a bit, some things on YouTube that I can't get to work on the TV because watching YouTube on the TV is a fucking nightmare. Yeah, it is. And I need to pull the laptop out and have a little, like, YouTube night. But we are, as you know, so into the whole Lou Pearlman story. We're going to do, we're, we're definitely going to do an episode on he, Lou. He definitely deserves yeah. an entire episode. Although we talk about him so much, we will have told you everything. <laughs> yeah, you'll be like, I know this already. It. I know this already. Um, I asked Donnie about Lou Pearlman the other week. Actually, oh, did you? Because you know I've got this theory that the whole, he was sat on a plane and he just oh, went yeah. as another plane to new kids thing was bullshit because he didn't own any planes. I asked Donnie if, he knew he had any insights into it and yeah. he, he didn't he wasn't really up with it um like he doesn't know whether or not that's the truth because he wasn't sat on a plane with new kids that was never the story yeah he just was told about new kids whilst on a plane um but yeah i will look into that a bit more 
really excited. It's great. I need to pull that book out. I never finished that book. Oh, yeah. I it would was like a to bit, borrow that. It was a little bit heavy to be reading on the train at 5am of a morning. <laughs> a lot of financials. And further boy band updates on my uh, boy band stalking updates. We got followed by the lovely Matthew J. Pateman, who was a member of Bad Boys Inc. this week. Yes, he was. But he's one of those people that everyone appears to have a connection to Matthew Pateman. Yes. So, so I, I know him through my old job. And because he, uh, we ran in the same crowds, let's say. <laughs> you, you gang, you gang affiliated with, gang affiliated with the bad boy. I mean, we don't say gang, but <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, I used to follow Bad Boys Inc. I was really quite into them. Yeah. My friend Claire. Yes. Who was only a tiny bit younger than me. I want to point this out right now. Uh, used to be babysat by Matthew. That's Bateman. amazing. Uh, he was. Friends with one of her cousins. So yeah. She used to get babysat by Matthew Pateman. He, he just does... And everyone, whenever you talk about... Yeah. Like I've, had, I've had loads of people go, oh, Matthew Pateman's always up for a Twitter convo or a follow. And it's like, yeah. yeah so <laughs> I had a little we chat know. with him during the week. Said, I've started doing my Bad Boys Inc. research. Would you be able to help me out with it? The, the main reason in being that I was kind of... Oh, should be able to do bad boys that'd be really easy it took me two weeks to remember tony dowden's name so was kind of <laughs> this isn't going so well due to the fact that my memory's really shit um but yes yeah, so i had was a little he the blonde one he was the blonde he's one, the one yeah. i fancied yeah um so there was tony dowden ali Begg, who now is um a big sports presenter oh he's really into his football or soccer as you know football fucking americans call football. it and david ross who now works in the states doing films. He writes, directs films. Okay. Still, they've actually. I don't know what Tony Dowden's up to. Sorry, Tony Dowden. I couldn't remember your name. <laughs> oh, sorry. I think he'll be all right. Yeah, I doubt he'll listen. He's not going to know. And um, but yeah, so the lovely Matthew Pateman's up yeah, for thanks, a little Matthew. bit of. Um, I'm with the boy band. Yeah, great. <laughs> He's been liking a lot of our Insta stuff as well. So yeah. We really appreciate the support, Matthew. I thank actually you. thanked him for. <laughs> So I, my mum's been up the loft trying to find all my old shit. She's, She's been up the loft. <laughs> she pulled down a box. I only threw it out today. She pulled down a box that's got every school book I ever had. Oh, my God. And not like, not a reference book, like all my schoolwork going back to the age of 12. So I've had to secretly, if I throw it away and she sees me throw it away, she'll freak out. <laughs> so I've had to secretly like put it inside other things so that I can get it in the recycling. So I'm like, I... I did this when I was twelve. Yeah. With thirty two years on, I'm really not gonna know how need to know how to do basic equations. Yes. Like I can do them on My mum saved nothing. I don't have anything from my childhood. Everything. Nothing. But amongst the stuff that she pulled out of the loft was this photo frame I'd done, which was me meeting all these different boy bands and amongst that well there were some really nice pictures of me with Matthew. Yeah. Um, so I thanked him for years ago and followed by going, I feel I need to thank you by sending you this freaky picture of, of me. Us. <laughs> He pretended that he was really pleased to get it. He was probably yeah. like, oh, fuck, I thought I got rid of this one years ago. No, I love that. That's so nice. Um, so that's, that's really nice. And um, we also, this week, went to see Busted perform. Oh, at the prison. Pri- Pri- prison. At the prison. We went to prison. <laughs> they did a prison performance. No, it's a nightclub called Prism. It used to be called Oceana, and we used to go there when we were young, and we'd visit the discotheques. And I used to go there with the players from AFC Wimbledon. Yes. That was not that long ago, Zoe. I have many a drunken fumble. That was in your 30s. <laughs> I used to go when I was in my 20s. 
Actually, I might have been there in my 30s as well, but I, I don't know. I used to drink a lot. I can't remember. But it is a, it used to be a brand spanky new nice pub, didn't it? Yeah, now it just stinks of stale beer and you yeah. get stuck to the carpet. But it was an incredible show. Oh, it was so good. The highlight was standing <laughs> on the back of the actual booths. Yeah. Yeah. And not getting kicked off by security. The only way to see, because for some reason, so busted, I'd say, are a generation, or maybe half a generation below us. Yeah. 10, 15 years behind us. Yeah. Age-wise. Yeah. So all their fans are now kind of at university and around. But, big revelation to me, for some reason, that 10, 15-year gap, in that 10, 15-year gap, people have grown really fucking tall. (laughs) Like, I couldn't see shit. talking about tall people again. (laughs) What I don't understand <laughs> why they were so all so tall. They like, were. There's something in the water at Kingston University. I don't know, but the only way we could get to see was standing on the back of these chairs. So, but it was, it was awesome. It that was really club good. Was absolutely rammed. It was, and it was wicked because we had that whole thing of everyone singing the songs they came out to. That's what I go to school for, which was their first ever single, and everyone was singing. It was wicked. Yeah, it was a really good show. Just the app. It was. Uh, a euphoric atmosphere, is it what was. I'd call it. And so sadly, they didn't get to number one with their album, but it was very, very they close. They got to number two, yeah. and they were beaten by the specials. It's not like they were beaten by someone that's going to be a one-hit wonder. Yeah. It's the specials. Yeah, that is true. Um, so yeah. that was good. Um, I think that's all our boy band stuff for this week. Okay, so, so we'll see you next week when we're going to bring you the Jonas Brothers. Woohoo! Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at the Boy Band Pod or on Instagram, which is at I'm with the Boy Band, or you can email us at theboybandpod at gmail.com. Do us a little rating wherever you're listening, uh, or write us a review. We love that. Um, and subscribe to us on wherever you're listening to your podcast. Uh, that's the way to get all the updates as we review the greatest boy band chart. But don't forget, the real greatest boy band is the one that was there for you right when you needed them and got you from there to here. Credits are this week. Uh, Simon Spence for his book After the Screaming Stops, The Dark Side of the Bay City Rollers and the BBC4 documentary Rollermania, Britain's Biggest Boy Band. Our theme music is Dance With You by Fire and Lights from the Songs About a Girl trilogy by Chris Russell. Visit songsaboutagirl.com. And special thanks go to Lara for hosting our first outside broadcast and also being our first live guest on the podcast. We'll see you all next week.